It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The biggest breaking news stories. An outspoken opinion. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio. Let's talk, first of all, about Brexit. What a surprise. Dinner last night between Boris Johnson and uh, Ursula von der Leyen, uh, the European Commission president. Lots of talk about how long it went on. I mean, it was three hours plus. Lots of talk about what the menu was. Were they basically trolling him with with fish starters and uh, <laughs> uh, Australian pavlova for dessert? All of this. Who knew? Apparently, apparently, we all knew that pavlova came from Australia. Never knew that before, but there we are. Um, but uh, either way, there was no breakthrough, as many had predicted in advance. And now we've told until Sunday night we've now got a new deadline uh, as the European Council uh, meet today of course all the EU leaders get a chance to have a chat um are you are you surprised are you disappointed that we don't uh, have a, a, anything on the table yet I'm not surprised in the slightest really just because the big difference between the two sides is kind of philosophical really I mean Britain at least if going on the comments of David Frost, our chief negotiator, don't want to give any ground, quite rightly in my view, on the questions of sovereignty and having to follow EU rules in perpetuity even after we leave. But on the other side, you have the European Union who really want to keep us in their orbit, in their regulatory orbit, don't want us to be a more sort of nimble country that could potentially outperform them in other ways. So then it just becomes a discussion of who's going to give way first. And it seems like up until now that we've got our 700th deadline it feels like in these Brexit just the 700 (laughs) (laughs) seemingly neither side is giving way just yet no I have to say though again I mean James Max just said how to poll of course it's self-selecting polls on Twitter are not necessarily indicative of anything but I've I've always said for many years if we don't get a deal it will be the EU that's to blame what we are asking for is nothing unreasonable what we're asking for is literally what Michel Barnier the EU's chief negotiator offered Theresa May at the beginning of the process which was a Canada style deal just want to have free trade without tariffs now again this is there seems to be this bizarre notion going about a lot of the media and political class that tariffs are are are, are something that needs to be imposed well you know of course if you haven't got a deal you have to impose tariffs no you don't it's a choice Mm. it's a choice by governments and also you know tariffs aren't paid by the government they're a tax that, that is paid by the consumer. It is not in the interest of the consumer. If the if the French and the Germans, because let's face it, they're the ones ruling the roost on this issue, if they want to impose uh, I mean, and tariffs on our goods ex- being exported, then we should impose tariffs on their goods being exported to us. And if they want to make uh, French booze or, or, or Italian white goods or, or, or German cars more expensive, well then... More for them because when they will just simply go and buy them elsewhere. Um, it, it is not in the interest of consumers for this to happen. Um, and yet, 
and yet there seems to be this discussion as if somehow, well, these, these are inevitable things. These are taxes that governments choose to impose on their own voters. We need to look at it from the, real, the, the actual accurate perspective. No, I completely agree. And I think there's been so much of the coverage has always just been skewed by this tendency to take the position, basically, the European Commission is like holy writ in all of these discussions, the idea that it's absolutely ludicrous that Britain should want a relationship with the European Union, despite, you know, there obviously being geographical differences, all the rest of it, our, our previous entanglement with them, but still just wanted to trade with this trading bloc as any other free nation is allowed to. Yeah. The idea that that's just absolutely ridiculous, the idea that if anything goes wrong, it's because Boris Johnson is intransigent and over-ideological and there's this religion of British sovereignty. But so much of that has clouded things, I think, because as you say, what we're asking for has not only been broadly speaking the same throughout this process, at least from Brexit voters' perspective, but also is not an unreasonable reasonable request from a country that wants to be self-governing as so many around the world are. No, exactly. I mean, this is it. We're just going over the three sticking points, fishing rights. Now, th- this isn't about, you know, how many trawlers we have in, in, you know, in the channel who are French or who are British. We haven't got enough to take over all the fishing that the EU does right now. We've got less than 20 percent of those uh, those fishing rights right now. We could we couldn't upgrade it, you know, on January the 1st, even if you wanted to. Mm. Um, this is about the principle of there are fishing waters and we get to decide and to choose to give away in return for other things, of course, um, our fishing rights. But they're not EU fishing waters anymore. This is really basic international maritime stuff. There's, no, there's nothing to dispute there. And yet the EU disputing it. State aid level playing field. The idea that not only would we sign up to all of the current rules of the EU right now in terms of state aid, even though, of course, we give far less in state aid than most other European governments do to their, uh, uh, their, their, their industries. Um, but all of the different rules and regulations, environment, workers' rights, we would sign up not only to all EU rules now, but in perpetuity. So if in a future date the EU decides to change a rule and they think that them change the rule gives us an unfair advantage we would be required to change our rules too in what way would <laughs> any normal nation state the idea that america would sign up to that from canada or canada from america is laughable and yet they're genuinely talking about that i mean the fact that the fact that the talks have gone on so long with people making such ridiculous assumptions i mean this is like this is like genuinely getting divorced husband going i don't want to live with you anymore but i expect to come back every night and you cook me dinner I mean, it's, you know, it, it's that level of, are you insane? And the governance issue. And again, what does governance? If there is a dispute, as there often is between countries mm. when they have a, a trading relationships so over, over one particular issue or not, the, who decide, who who rules on that dispute? Shall we have a new body that's made up on both sides or, or an independent country? No, <clears> the <throat> European Court of Justice. I mean, all three of these are so... They're so absurd that the fact that anyone has even been willing to discuss them for the last few years, I find ridiculous. I genuinely don't think that if Boris Johnson comes back without a deal, that the vast majority of Britons, even those who voted Remain, uh, would would have an issue with with the fact that one could not possibly give up philosophically and principally on any Mm -hmm. of those issues. And crucially also, what was the point of Brexit if we did? Exactly. I mean, we all know what Brexit was about at court. It was about being racist. No, it was about racist. Tom, it was about racist. I'm so naive. I must have been swayed by messages on buses and all the rest of it. But it does feel like it's so. When you put it in the stark terms as that, everyone can see what this is about. And you've got a situation where the European Union are coming back and said, you know what, maybe you can have 20% of your fishing grounds oh. back. It shows you the nature of this relationship, which is they basically want to try and keep us within their orbit, almost as like a little kind of neo-colonial outpost. But 
if anyone who looks rationally and honestly about what that vote was about taking back control, the idea that we would be still under their control in relation to fishing, still in lockstep with EU rules and state aid and labour regulations and all the rest of it, would know that's not what Brexit is about. But I think, unfortunately, our, our debate about this has been so skewed by a Remain-leaning yeah. media, which just takes the Brussels line on all of this. Oh, can I just say, I mean, the Remain-leaving media and, and Twitter as well, obsessed with the fact that the official photograph that was put out last night. Interestingly, of course, there were two separate statements from Ursula von der Leyen uh, and Boris Johnson. That's frankly always a bad sign uh, if you both give different different uh, statements and versions of events at the dinner. But a photograph that was put out which involved uh, Michel Barnier uh, and Ursula von der Leyen on one side and Boris Johnson and our chief negotiator Lord Frost on the other. Um, Frost, Frost and, and uh, Boris looking uh, fairly unkempt and, and, and rather, <laughs> should we say, rather rather well-lunched, shall we say, uh, whereas the other two looking rather svelte and very smart. And this has been taken as well. You see, look, they look professional. They were, You think, all, all they care more about a photo opportunity uh, than, than the actual reality. Um, let's also talk about the virus. Small point, it's worth making. Uh, but we are uh, in a situation where we've got the, the vaccine being rolled out. Yesterday it emerged, uh, just before 10 o'clock yesterday, that uh, two nurses who'd been given the vaccine uh, from Pfizer had had allergic reactions. Uh, the advice now is that if you have severe allergic reactions, you should not uh, be taking the vi- vaccine. I have to say, I would have thought this was a statement of the <clears throat> obvious uh, that that mm. would be the case anyway. Um, these nurses perfectly fine. This would be this would be completely normal even in the tests that they did in the research they did to uh, 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 actually uh, study for this this vaccine before it got approval. You know, people had allergic reactions even to the placebo, not just to the actual vaccine. This is normal. Some people have reactions to aspirin. This is normal stuff. Nothing to worry about, isn't it? Exactly. And I think that but that's one thing which I think the government's going to have to get much better at communicating, because when you're do, dealing with um, such a mass programme of vaccination, when you're basically trying to vaccinate as much of the population as possible, there are going to be reactions like this, or there's just going to be cases where almost nothing to do with the vaccine, someone might drop dead of something else two days later. And the importance of making clear that this has still not been a rush process, that this is still a good thing, that this has still been put through rigorous testing, and that a lot of the effects we might see are just normal and kind of amplified by the amount of people taking this vaccine in that amount of time, just the probabilities go up, is going to be really important because I'm sure you've detected it, I know I have, this concern that some people have, not anti-vax mm. sentiments, but just caution around yeah. this, which I think is going to be important to rebut these concerns well, as when I mean, they come. This, this is where it's very important that we trust people like Chris Whitty and Patrick Vallance, isn't it? And of course, I think they've thrown away a lot of their trust, but a willingness mm. to give a, a really dodgy data and, and stand by the Prime Minister when he tells us just outright nonsense about, you know, 4,000 deaths a day to justify a lockdown. Yesterday, evidence before the Science and Health Joint Select Committees yesterday, Whitty and Vallance and others, uh, basically uh, admitted, I mean, what's something we all knew, there was no hard evidence for that 10pm pub curfew rule. Um, again, there's just an awful lot of rules just brought in without any evidence um but also um they they did uh, they did talk about a gradual retreat from lockdowns as we move uh, to the vaccine rollout interesting spoken to two cabinet ministers this week the health secretary and michael gove both of them part of that quad along with boris johnson and rishi sunak the chancellor who decide basically what's going on there's no longer proper cabinet discussion of these things mm. the quad decide everything on the vac- on the virus but um two of those men both very much we know in terms of hawkish on lockdowns and, and the like both of them said that uh, we should be easing lockdown rules and restriction rules and the like um, uh, as we roll out the vaccine sooner rather than later. And, and basically, both are given Easter or spring, so early April, uh, as, as the point at which we should go back to people making personal choices, taking personal responsibility. Uh, would you welcome that or do you think it should come sooner? 
Um, I think it should come as soon as possible, to be brutally honest with you. I think especially, I see no justification whatsoever for delaying it any beyond when the most vulnerable people have been vaccinated. When, as you know, Jonathan Van Tam said the other week, when 99% of the deaths have been wiped off the slate in that respect. But I think we need to start getting back to normal as soon as possible. The costs of lockdown, if they haven't already exceeded in the longer term, some of the issues of COVID, they certainly will very soon. And I think we need to hold politicians to the standard they've set themselves, which is that we are going to start getting back to normal. Because I think it would be, given the fact, you know, looking back to March, this was supposed to be a three-week lockdown to save the NHS with no reason to trust them necessarily on these timescales. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley-Brewer on Talk Radio. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.